Happy New Year, fam, and welcome to the very first day of the year with our very first podcast for the year, about to set it off for 2021. If you have never listened to the podcast, I am the host and founder of the new Numa Godcast, Norman Brown, also known as Professor. Last night, as I witnessed Dan Moeller minister the Word of God in person, I was not only blown away by the revelation, but I had tears in my eyes several times as I thought about the people on my job for whom I want to show for Jesus like never before. He helped me to see on another level how important it is to view our relationship with Jesus. Now, with every new year, there's a new thing that we may expect to see in our lives. But expectation alone is not what causes us to receive something new. It is also because God has brought us into a new season. Although God lives outside of time, he created time for us and for a very important reason. But notice how we know what time it is. We know it by the light within our atmosphere, our surroundings. The way we know this is by looking at what he said in Genesis chapter 1 verse 14. Although he created time, time was only witnessed by the creation of lights. Now here's a revelation. The light that one has in their lives at a certain moment determines what the time is in their lives. Notice how when the day progresses, first it starts at the darkest it can get. And after a certain amount of movement of the earth in a space of time, there is then a lightening of the sky which then shines on the ground and the brighter it gets, the more the shadows start to form because the light is appearing more and more in the earth from the sun. And the closer we get to the place where the shadow disappears, we are also getting closer to the point where the light is directly upon the place where it was headed, so to speak. Once the sun has arrived in that place, it is not only the brightest light that will ever be seen in that place, and most often the warmest it will be in that place, it is also the place where everything is the most visible and exposed as they will ever be. So what does that tell us? It is the light within our lives that tells us how close we are to where we are going. As an American, a world citizen, or most of all, a kingdom citizen, we need to be looking for how we may go forward through 2021, helping to reverse the many disgraceful, unintelligent depravity that we have seen in many nations around the world. The fear people experienced and some are still experiencing, whether from the coronavirus, wars, earthquakes, fires, tornadoes, hurricanes, and many other things need to be addressed in a greater way by those of us who say we are kingdom citizens. This year, we will be taking things to the next level on the podcast. We have some very serious issues to address as it relates to false prophets, the mark of the beast, false doctrine, why abortion is such an important issue to discuss. God's reasons for his intended relationship compositions and so much more. So get ready, tighten your belt, ready yourself for spiritual battle and move forward with the commission of the Lord as we make disciples, change culture and bring the glory of God to the earth 
through ourselves. Now stay tuned for today's podcast, which is coming right after this. It is going to be awesome. Trust me. Thanks for listening to the new Numa Godcast today. As always, we ask for your support, and there are several ways you may do so. The first step is subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. We're on iTunes, Anchor, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and many more. Did you know that testimonies are one of the biggest ways to build credibility? Well, that's why we need the following to happen, which is one of the most important things we may ask from you. If you're on iTunes, once you subscribe to the podcast, immediately before life kicks in and you forget about it, rate the podcast in two easy steps, which are only available on iTunes. First, give us a five-star rating, which gives us more visibility in the podcast rankings. And after you rate the podcast, write an inspiring comment about the podcast that will tell others why they should listen to the podcast. Second step, follow us on your favorite social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Parler, and YouTube. Third step, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Fourth step, subscribe to our email list at newnuma.com forward slash subscribe. Last but not least, notice how none of the above steps cost any money. However, if you care to give to the mission, you may send as little as 99 cents per month up to as much as you would like to send into this ministry. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash new dash numa and scroll down to where you will find the support button. Click there and the rest will be clear. Once again, we appreciate you and your support. This is Norm from the New Numa Godcast. Peace. You are tuned in to the New Numa Godcast, hosted by Norman Brown, a.k.a. Professor, and Justin Foster, where we address the taboo from a biblical view. Our podcast is all about real talk with new life. And quite frankly, you'll either love it or you won't, because we deal with tough topics that the church rarely touches. Somebody's got to do it, and that's why we exist. So just sit back, chill, and enjoy the ride, because it's going to be good. What's up, Justin? <laughs> hey, what's up, bro, man? Welcome back. Yeah, man, it's good to be back here, but I wish I was over the Dominican Republic. To be yes. Honest. Wow, man, how was the trip? So, man, it, it's always nice going over there because when I'm over there, I feel like I'm home. It's like it's different from America. I'm not saying that. I mean, obviously, America is home, but being over there, it's a different feeling that feels more like, okay, this is where I'm from or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, this is where I belong, so to speak, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, um, in a, like I said, it's not to say anything negative about America. It's just saying that over there, it feels like I stepped into where I'm from. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, one thing about over there, too, is that, they don't have the same kind of uh, culture that we have in America, where over there, whenever there's something that's surrounding God in some kind of way, everybody's involved in the celebration. Even if they don't really want to be, they're still involved because the whole place shuts down based on these holidays and celebrations. So, like, let's just say if it's uh, 
Christmas, for instance, right? Literally, there's nothing open. I don't even know if there's a gas station open over there on Christmas uh, Day. Over here, obviously, we know there's a whole bunch of things open. You're going to find every Dunkin' Donuts open. <laughs> you probably find 7-Eleven open. You're going to find some gas stations open. I mean, it's like all the places that's owned by foreigners, typically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and then there's also stuff like, you know, the movie theater will open at a certain time to show you a certain kind of movie or whatever. It's the brand new joint. So, <clears throat> the whole point I'm making is that it's a different culture over there, and it's just it's just nice, man. Yeah. Wow. So, um, you know, being over there with my wife was just an enjoyable time, you know. Um, and I hadn't seen her in over a year, so I needed to be able to go over there and, you know, see her face-to-face. -face. I finally got my passport, and I was really happy about that so i made plans immediately yeah. to go over there so but yeah man so other than that man um that's about it i mean it's a lot of things i could talk about but what's been going on with you though i mean not not much bro man i definitely haven't been traveling the world but uh <laughs> <laughs> I, you know just building the businesses man and just spending spending time with the family you know over the holiday small gathering it was it was good you know good little holiday good little christmas we laugh most of the time so that's never a bad thing well it's Normally around you, it's going to be some laughter. You always got jokes, man. I'll be glad when you start doing some of that stuff on the podcast. <laughs> these people don't understand how funny you really are, man. Especially when you get into that preacher mode. You be like, acting like you a preacher. <laughs> hey, man, I try, I try to be good on this podcast. Uh, you know? <laughs> yo, feel free at any moment. If you want to, you can have me rolling. Try to keep it intellectual. <laughs> Yeah, yo, he's a he's a best kept secret y'all don't know about yet. <laughs> but it's all good, man. So this is the first podcast of the year, and so I guess first of all we should say Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. You know, we in twenty twenty one. I mean, twenty twenty was very very interesting <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think most people when they think of what. A lot of people were saying as a cliche and some were trying to make it prophetic or whatever about 2020, the year of, you know, clear vision or something like that. You know, I'm like, y'all don't understand how God opens up your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> because the 2020 vision you were thinking about is not what God was thinking about. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about, like, he shows you what really needs to be seen when he's opening up your eyes, and you don't want to see it most of the time. Yeah. And it's like he's going after the thing that needs to be addressed. And you know what? Even though we're not talking about that per se today, I, I really want to say something real quick while I'm thinking about it. Mm -hmm. The church needs to wake up and stop putting their head in the sand and stop acting like they don't know what's going on in the world. And that they don't have anything that they can do to change what's going on in the world. Because the first reason why the church is here is as change agents. That's why we're here. We're not here to just exist. We're not here to take up space. We're here to change culture. And I was listening to Miles Monroe. And for those of you who don't know who Miles Monroe is, look him up on YouTube. The man has many videos on there. He passed away, unfortunately, in 2014, I believe that was. <clears throat> and 
it was so sad and it was like a big blow for me because I mean I really looked up to him I listened to him all the time man he's the one that introduced me to the kingdom of God teaching about that you know back in 2001 that's when I first heard it you know the way that he taught it man it was just crazy um, but yeah so <clears throat> I just want to say that um, as people in the kingdom of God we have to stop thinking that a government is going to change something for us. Right. We got to stop waiting for some magical, I hate to say magical, but it's almost like y'all, y'all waiting for something magical to happen or something. <laughs> like, oh, we just wait for a little while and then something's going to, poof, it's going to just change for us. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I'll, I'll say even something that Miles Monroe said. He was talking about the fact that um, Jesus said that when he was um, talking to this certain group of people, he said, y'all looking for signs hmm. and so forth. He said, an adulterous generation is looking for signs. Yeah. And he, and then he made a statement. He's talking about how miracles is not how believers are supposed to live. We're supposed to live out of the authority that we have in the kingdom, knowing who we are, and we just see things happen. Now, miracles sometimes come with that, but what I'm saying is, and I'm not even talking about healings and stuff like that. That's not what I'm addressing. We are definitely going to see healing. We're going to see blind eyes seeing and people walking. But you know, Miles Monroe made a statement that I never thought of until I heard him say this. He said, when, he said, when you look in the Bible, how many times do you see Jesus... Um, making a blind person see. He said there's only two times that you see that. But one of the things he said in the beginning of his ministry is I have been set sent to give sight to the blind. Yeah. So was he really talking about sight like you can't see and he lays hands on you and now you're seeing? I don't think that's what he was talking about directly. I yeah. think he was talking about spiritual sight. So and that's what, you know, what it makes sense that it would be spiritual sight because if you can't see it, you can't experience it, you know. So anyway, um, having said that, I just want to say that the church better get on board and get on your grind to make sure that you get things done in this earth. Because especially in the West, the church in the West is a mess and you got a lot of stuff y'all need to clean up. And I'm from the West, but I can't stand the way we do church over here. And I'm not including myself in that. I'm saying that I've been around it and I've seen it and I'm tired of it. And that's why we don't see the kind of things that you see over in the East. When you go to China or something like that, where they see the power of God moving ways that is crazy. It's incredible because those people are not caught up in some commercial gospel. So anyway... Before I get too far off on that, because I know I can go there, I, I just, I, I can't stand that. But um, I'm going to make this one last statement, then we're going to get into what we're really going to be talking about. Um, the thing is, 2020 was meant to open up the eyes of the church to what we need to address and stop ignoring. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's the bottom line. 
Yeah, racism was revealed in a big way in 2020. But it's been around. And it's been around for over 100 years. So why is it all of a sudden it took 2020 for you to realize, oh, racism exists? Oh, I didn't know that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Now, it's one thing to say I didn't realize that it was as bad as it is. Or I didn't realize that it happens this way. But to act like you didn't know it exists, that's completely ridiculous. And to have not addressed it for the many years that we've seen it in America, why wasn't it being addressed by more than just the African American churches? And I'm not saying I know there's going to be some old, you know, specks of churches that are going to say, well, we did it too. We're not African American. I know you're going to be out there. I know you're out there somewhere. Okay? So I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the ones who know they have not addressed these issues. They have not effectively dealt with the issues. And that's just one of the many. So let's not get it twisted. That's just one of the many things that happened in 2020. But that was a big part of what needs to be addressed by the church. Because in order for there to be a moving forward together, there needs to be an addressing of something that's holding some back, that's holding some down, that's oppressing, suppressing. Now, if that is not addressed, then the church as a whole cannot move forward together. And there will be division in the church like there has been. And where we keep seeing, like people say, the the, the most segregated day of the week is Sunday. Because all these people go to their separate churches, and I'm talking about ethnic groups right now. They go to all these separate churches, and if you're in America, I would almost have to tell you, unless God called you to only have one ethnic group that you're talking to, which is quite possible, but if you're in the kingdom of God, you got to understand that even if your church your building that you go to and meet is all one ethnic group. You should still be fellowshipping with other ethnic groups of another church if that's the case. So, I'm going to stop there because I'm going to go off too much. <laughs> now, for today's subject. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I am saddened by what we're going to talk about today. But there's a part of what we're going to talk about today that's very important. And so, we're actually going to be addressing uh, integrity and character. That's what we're going to be addressing today. Every single one of us has some issues that we need to deal with. Somewhere where we need to build up our character more. Somewhere where we need to build our integrity more. Every single person needs to do that. But here's the thing. When you get to a certain place of prominence or visibility, I would say that those things should have already been dealt with. Yeah. That's what I feel. I'm talking about the main things. I'm not talking about like, you know, I'm just going to say something like, uh, you got really mad because somebody ran over your grass with their car or something like that. I'm yeah. not talking about that. So that's something that, you know, God will still be working with you on, but that's not a major thing. But when you're talking about, and this is something else, you know, I've been, just so y'all know, I've been listening to a lot of Miles Monroe lately, so just <laughs> just don't mind the fact I keep bringing him up, okay? 
But he was saying something in one of his messages that I was listening to about how the things that God has to get a hold of in every person's life. I don't remember the other one, but I know he said a person's sex life. Mm. One of them is the sex life. So, and I think he was saying something about the um, the mind or something like that. I can't remember now because I've listened to so many of his messages recently. But I know that the, the biggest one that stood out to me was when he said the sex life. Now, the thing about it is when you think about characters that we know from the Bible, these are real people who live and they did serve God. But we can see where there was some issue in their sexual life some kind of way. And in that way, there were certain things that happened to them as a result. But that did not that did not negate the fact that they they were used by God in certain things, okay? However, um, I do believe when you look at these stories, they also show you how someone's potential can potentially be cut short because of certain things that they did. Yeah. Their impact can be stifled because of however they ran their lives. So when you are talking about someone, and that's why I guess the Word of God talks about, you know, those that are teachers, they get the worst judgment. They get the stronger judgment. Mm. Why? Because they're the ones that are supposed to be showing everybody else how to do it. As a leader, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Now, mm. everyone is leading in some kind of way in their life. But it's a matter of the magnitude of your leadership. That's what determines what kind of degree of character you need to have to do what you're doing. Yeah. And that does not say, that is definitely not to say, well, if you're a plumber, and just as an example, that you don't need to have character. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but what I am saying is that it's even more prudent and even more necessary for somebody who has a certain level of visibility to have their character in order as well. So here's the thing. If I am, let's just say, um, if I'm having, if I'm in a situation where, let's say, I'm, uh, I'm trying to think of how to put this. Let's say I'm, I'm 13 years old and um, I am going through a stage where, you know, kids are picking on me because I haven't lost my virginity. Mm -hmm. um, and and I go off on them and I, I get in a fight and I punch the person that said something or whatever. Okay, that's something that, you know, I'm a little kid. You're a little boy. You, you know, it's just something that you don't know how to control yourself yet. You haven't gotten to a level with the Holy Spirit where you know how to control yourself. However, if that same person at the age of 25 is still acting the same way they were doing when they were 13, there's a problem with that. Yeah. That's, that's showing that there's no growth. And if there's no growth, then what's going wrong? Because that's something that's showing that something's going wrong in that person's development. And that's no different than if I say I am a, I was five years old and I was, at five years old, I was three feet tall. And at 20 years old, I'm still three feet tall. 
Now, yes, there are some people that are, for whatever reason, they stay short. They're dwarves or whatever. But there are others, most people are going to grow to at least four feet something, five feet or whatever. Most people on the planet are going to grow to around that type, that height. Yeah. So three feet is like abnormal. So that's telling you either something's wrong with your pituitary gland, something's wrong with your nutrition, something's wrong with uh, your water. I don't know. It's something going on that's affecting your body right. so it won't grow. So the spiritual side of that is... If you are not growing spiritually after you've eaten the word and you're taking it in, if you well, if you're supposedly eating the word, then what's wrong? Are you really getting the word in your heart? Because the Bible says when that word is planted, if it gets on the right kind of heart, it will grow. Mm-hmm. So, having said that, um, there was something that was revealed recently uh, about the Rabbi Zacharias ministry. Now, many of you may or may not know who Ravi Zacharias is or was, but he was a very well-known apologetic, uh, apologist. They call it apologist, right? Apologist, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was a very well-known apologist who had a great public reputation. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was pristine from what I saw. And I didn't know about him. I didn't know all the ins and outs of what he was doing. But I had a general idea of who he was. I knew typically what he was talking about. But I wasn't, like, following his ministry like that. So I don't know, you know, him that that well. But I had never myself personally heard anything in the news or anything like that. So as far as I knew, the dude was spotless when it came to his reputation. Yeah. But here it is. Months after his death, that um, some investigation was done by a, a like a private company or whatever, and they were told by the Ravi Zacharias Ministries, do whatever you gotta do, whatever you cover, uncover, it is what it is. Just do your best at investigating. So upon investigations, they found out that Ravi Zacharias had throughout the years. And I don't know how long of a period of time it was, but it was about a 10 years at least. I think it was longer than that, but at least 10 years that he had been doing inappropriate things that were sexually related. I I, I just, I don't know all of the, like the, the depth of it or whatever, but I think that I know it included showing his penis, um, probably saying things that he shouldn't have said to the women that were working around him, for him, at a spot that he owned partially or whatever, um, and things of that nature. And then it was said that because of high stress that he needed to have some type of a relief or something like that. I don't know exactly how they said it, so I don't want to act like I'm quoting anything. But however it was said, I was like, are you kidding me? What do you mean because it's high stress being in the ministry or whatever? That, you knew that many years ago. I mean, how is that all of a sudden now revelation and, and now you think because it's high stress in, in ministry that means that you should be able to do stuff like that? 
I'm sorry, but that's not okay. Yeah. And here's the thing. I. This is the kind of thing that, even though it's not an excuse, but this is the kind of thing that people in the world like to use against the church a lot. Well, look at that guy. He did this, this, and that. He was pulled to be a minister. You know, all that kind of stuff. This is their, they love, they have a field day with this kind of stuff. Yeah. And this is what puts a blemish on the reputation of the church. Sure, we are dealing with vessels that are human. They are, they are broken. They are, they have a lot of things that they got to work through. I understand that. We all like that. However, as I was saying before, when you talk about getting to a certain place of prominence, and this is where that whole thing, um, you probably heard this before, where they say um, your your anointing can take you where your character cannot keep you. So in other words, mm. your character isn't good enough to stay where your anointing got you. Mm. So that's where people have to realize that you can be anointed to do something, but if you don't have the character built to a certain level, you won't be able to stay in that place. Wow. Because it's going to eventually catch up to you that your character is not where it needs to be. Yeah. Now, it's one thing I believe that God, He, he um, protects slash hides slash covers because the Word of God says love covers a multitude of sins. So while you're going through all your development, while we're going through our development, God covers our sin. He covers your sin. Nobody listening to this can act like you don't sin and that you don't have something that you're dealing with because we all do. And God covers you because he has a plan for, I'm going to cover you because I know that you are trying to get this thing together. However, there's an end to the time where God keeps covering what you're doing because God knows the future too. And he knows if you're really trying to get out of that thing or not. Yeah. And so there comes a point in time where he will remove that covering and it'll be exposed. So I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you take it from here. Um, Justin, I want you to speak on. Yeah, this, I mean, this situation has been very, um, you know, it's a very heavy one. It's a very serious, a very serious matter. I actually, um, I actually used to be really, really into apologetics. Like on a, at one point I was actually, um, planning on going to, uh, the Ravi Zacharias School of, uh, Ministry. And, um, I think it's Florida. They have a location in Florida, I think Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, you know, I was really heavy into apologetics and, um, I, you know, read up a number of individuals and studied and really, I was, I mean, I was really, really heavy into it. I mean, I was, it was to the point where I was hunting people down just to just debate, like, about, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, Robbie Zacharias and others were like a really, really big influence for me. It's crazy because in my college, uh, and, uh, while I was in, at Morgan State University, um, one year, uh, Ravi Zacharias and Nabil Qureshi, who was uh, also an apologist, um, who uh, passed away from cancer uh, not too long before Ravi, uh -huh. um, 
they came to John Johns Hopkins University, which you know is not that you know it's in the city. So I'm like, boom, you know, we gotta go see him. So some friends and I, we went there, and so what was crazy though is that um, there are two things that are interesting about this event, and I'm and I really don't, I really want to try to say this in a non-judgmental way, but it's amazing, it really is amazing that the Holy Spirit say. You know, it says, the scriptures say that one of the gifts of the spirit uh, is the discernment of spirits. But when we went to the, um, you know, the event with Robbie and the Bill, I was actually more blessed. This just happens to me a lot of times. I go to a conference for one speaker and I end up getting more blessed by another speaker. But um, I got more blessed by Nabil, man. He was really just so exuberant. He was he was almost, I could say, almost seemingly charismatic in his presentation of the gospel, man. So I really like resonated with him. I'm like, man, this guy's on fire, and he's got like the intellectual. But he almost felt like a merge between uh, traditional apologetics and like Pentecostal, you know, enthusiasm. So I really loved him, and I, you know, I've read at least two of his books, um, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And um, and I think another work, but that book was really, really powerful. Wait a minute, I want to make sure I know who you're talking about. Are you talking about that kind of relatively young guy that died a few years ago? Yeah, from cancer. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. I wish I had seen him in person, man. Man, he, he had a powerful testimony. Yeah, really, go man. Go ahead, go ahead, though. Yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's just it's so powerful. But it was interesting because... Um, after the event, everyone was coming up on stage, you know, to get autographs and, you know, just to shake Robbie's hand or whatever. And initially, um, I was, uh, initially I had come up to get an autograph too, you know, and get a picture with him. But as I was standing there waiting in line, I really can't explain it. But, uh, the Holy Spirit, I, I really can't explain it. I just sensed, I'm just going to say it like that, I just sensed that... I didn't want the autograph anymore, you know, and so, but I had brought a letter that I wanted to give to him, you know, just kind of a letter of appreciation, you know, it was pretty thick, it was like, <laughs> but it was just kind of like, you know, giving thanks for his ministry, how it's impacted me, praying, praying blessings over him, his family, and his ministry, and things like that, you know, just really appreciate him, and stuff like that, you know, um, and, you know, people receive gifts in different ways, so I'm not judging, but, um, I remember when I gave him, you know, uh, the like, cause I came up, you know, I was like, you, I was like, you know what, sir, I just, um, you want to say thank you. You know, at first I wanted to come up, you know, to get a picture, but, um, I just felt like I wanted to give something instead of really, you know, receive something, you know? And so I gave him the letter. He was like, what, it's a letter? But the way he said it was, it was just kind of odd for me, you know, and I, this is not, you know, being judgmental or anything like that, but it was kind of odd because it was almost like, oh, a letter? You like know, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's how it seemed, yeah. and he, you know, he passed it to the guy behind him. You know, so um, I don't know what the protocol for that stuff was, because you, you never know when you're receiving stuff. You know, so you know you got to be careful. But um, it was just very, oh, you know, I was like, you know, well, thank you, you know, God bless, and um, and I left. But um, it's just very interesting because um, you know, kind of like you were saying, like a lot of stuff, like scriptures say, like. You know, some men's sins go before them, preceding them to judgment, and other men's follow afterwards. You know, and it's just it's just interesting, but almost like so severe, so serious that like what you do in secret affects not just eventually one day, but it affects every one of your interactions with people. 
You know, even something as little, and, and it might be trite. I may be totally off. I may be totally wrong in that situation. But when I when when I heard this news on that, for some reason that came back to my remembrance. You know, it was almost like the Holy Spirit was kind of like connecting dots and things like that. And um, it's just so like it's so important that you know. And um, I think somebody else in the Roost Lawn was saying this is that. Like we we have to be careful of putting people on a pedestal to where they become like a standard or they become an idol or something like that, mm-hmm. and um, you know we begin to idolize and we begin to you know almost want to become them or we become like mimics or copies of them, and um, I just remember man hearing this news and I was like man wow like. You know, not being so shocked, but just being like kind of hurt, you know, hurting for the family, hurting for people involved, hurting for, you know, even Ravi is that like, you know, this stuff like healing, like for a man of God to have that much knowledge, but not to expose something like that, you know, it's better. It's better. Like scriptures say, like open rebuke is so much better. The secret love is better. The, the wounds of a friend are more are better than the kisses of an enemy. So it's like it's better to be exposed and say, "Hey, man, I'm I messed up real bad. Like I'm t- I've been totally wrong. I've been totally, you know, in error. I've been totally living crazy, and have that thing be dealt with, than to keep all of that in, and then to have people's faith called into question people's ministries their life's work called into question it's i don't know you know and you know the thing that bothers me even more about it is that you then wonder did he have anybody he could confide in to say listen man i'm struggling with this thing i need prayer or whatever did he have a group of friends or ministers or whatever like at any point in his life because really I mean, when you're talking about stuff like that, man, like what people, what people need to understand, and this is, this is about a lot of different people that I've seen, um, specifically, I'm I'm thinking about a lot of Christian hip hop artists nowadays. It doesn't seem like they have any accountability to anybody. They just Mm. think because they got a gift, they're going to make some music and they do whatever they want to do. They don't have nobody that they answer to. They don't have nobody that they got to check on, check with, whatever. They don't have anybody that can put them in check to say, yo, that's garbage. Don't put that out or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And I've seen that even with in my own life. I've tried to help people because I realized that if they put something out there, that wasn't going to be good for them. But they didn't want to listen to me and they still put it out and it didn't go anywhere. And I'm like... I could have saved you from that embarrassment if you had just listened. Yeah. But a lot of people are on this thing where they think they don't need to listen to anybody. And so the problem with not having someone that can check you at some point for whatever reason is that if you and yourself always think that you're right about what you're doing, then you could be going down the wrong path and not even know it because you think you're right all the time. Yeah. And then the Bible talks about people being deceived and deceiving others. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So the thing is, is that 
on the on the level of the apologetic side of him, yeah, he was doing great work, and people were blessed. They were changed. They were, you know, probably converted to Christianity or whatever. Got a relationship with Jesus now because of it. Because the thing is, the Bible is very clear on something that we have to really understand. The gifts and callings are without repentance, which means that God does not change his mind about what he called you to and the gifts that he, give, he gives you. So, you will have the gift, you will still have the calling, and the thing is, is that this is where things become dangerous. Because I, I, I don't have another word to use right now. I, I'm just going to call it dangerous. Because when a person is not having their mind in the right place to be able to say, I'm doing something wrong or I'm doing something right or whatever, then they can go do whatever they're going to do and not feel like it was something that they needed to do differently. Because there's nobody there to check them or to say, yo, that doesn't line up with scripture. Or no, I wouldn't do that because that doesn't express the character of Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I remember um, I would talk to people years ago when I used to really be into this thing about trying to convince somebody of what I'm believing. I figured out a long time ago, that don't work. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm going to help you right now. If you're one of those people, save your breath. <laughs> you could you could think that you're going to break them down with the, the, the word and you're going to know all the scriptures that are going to refute everything that they say and all that. It's not going to work. I've never once seen it work. The only thing that I've seen is where, let's say someone challenged me on something, but I know that they are... They are a good-hearted person. They are a Christian. They want to know truth. But at the time when I said it, they weren't open to it. They weren't trying to accept it. But what happened is in those cases, they come back years later and say, you were right. And that's all there is to it. I mean, they, they realized that they were off on something that they were thinking. But the thing about it, my point I'm trying to get to is that when you are able to operate in what is a gift or calling without being in a place where you are accountable to somebody. So like for me, for instance, I have a lot of friends that, let's just say I'm going to make, I, I'm thinking about making some kind of a move or something. So I'll, I'll start calling my friends up. Yo, this is what I'm thinking about. This is how I feel, blah, 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 blah. What do you think? Give me some scriptures that, you know, you feel is back in this. Or tell me why you think I shouldn't do it. Or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to them open-minded. I'm not going to go to them made up, with my mind made up saying, this. I'm going to do this. I don't care what you say. Yeah. I go to them saying, yo, man, you know, I just want to make sure I'm hearing God correctly on this, that I'm moving in the right direction. What do you sense? And then after I talk to that group of friends... Then I revisit the thing, and I see which one which one of the moves I'm going to make. But the thing about it is, you know, the Bible says there's safety in the number of counselors. Yeah. When you have many counselors, there's safety in that. Because, first of all, let's just say 
you had a yes man, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and you go to your yes man. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking about a movie like Coming to America or something like oh, yeah. that. And you got somebody, you say, hey, I think I should go get a, uh, some yogurt. Yes, I think you should get some yogurt too. <laughs> you know, like all they ever do is say yes to whatever you say. What do you think about that? I agree. You know what I'm saying? And that's all they do is agree with whatever you say. Because they're never going to go against you for whatever reason. You do not want to have a yes man around you. Ever. Yeah. They are not, the, they are not good for you at all. If you don't have somebody that pushes back against what you say, you are in for problems. Yeah. So I'll, you know, I'll, I, you know, I remember when um, I used to go to a certain church years ago, and um, there came a point in time when the pastor started saying some stuff I didn't agree with. Mm -hmm. And because I had a personal relationship with him outside of church, in those moments when he would say certain things and I didn't agree, I would tell him, I don't agree with that. That's not what I would do. That's not what I would say. And over time, I started noticing he didn't like the fact that I kept telling him I didn't like certain things he was doing or saying or whatever. So it was like I was basically like his enemy. I started mm. becoming his enemy instead of his friend or someone that he would confide in like that. But he seemed to think that he was going to convince me otherwise. And I think that's why he kept on being around me, because he thought he was going to change my way of thinking. But he really apparently didn't know me that well, because I'm not like that at all. I've never been like that since I was a kid. <laughs> and my mom, my mom and all those people in my family that grew up around me, I mean, that I grew up around, they can attest to that. Norman is not changing his mind. If he made it up, he's not changing it. However, when I have maintained a open mindset and I'm humble about, you know, decision making, this, that, and the third or whatever, that's different. But it's like, you're, if I know something is right or whatever, nobody's going to be able to change my mind about that. I'm not, I don't care who they are. It would not change. And I will say it in front of them or in front of anybody else if I have to. I don't agree. And so I'm going to give you another example. So I was working at this company where they sell food to, to families, right? And they um, it's called a home food service company. Mm -hmm. So when I was working there, the manager that was there, one day he was having a meeting with all the sales guys. And he says in that meeting, now this room had about, I would say it was about seven of us there. I think it was about seven. And... So he made a statement. He says, I don't care if you got to lie to get into somebody's house. Do whatever you got to do to get in their house. Oh, my God. He said, does anybody have a problem with that? And that's basically how he was talking. Does anybody have a problem with that? I said, yes, I do. I'm not going to do that. I'm not lying to get in anybody's house. I said, if I have to lie to get in their house, I don't need to be there. Right. That's just a sure sign that I don't need to be there because I had to lie to get in there. No, I'm not doing that. And he was like, so, oh, so what? You trying to say you don't never do nothing wrong? You know what I'm saying? Like, he tried to flip it on me and everything. And the thing about it was there was another person that was in the room that is 
supposed to be a Christian, that dude didn't say nothing. As a matter of fact, I mean, he didn't back me up. He didn't say something even later to the guy, to the manager. He didn't do nothing, nothing like that. He just shut his mouth and stayed quiet. I was the only one that spoke up. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to say whether that guy that didn't speak up is right or wrong. That's not even what my point is. But the point I am making is that because of my integrity, I was not going to let a manager think that he's going to force me into doing something that he wants me to do. You feel me? So I was like, I don't care what you do. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And I'm not going to, you're not going to force me to do that to be a worker here, to work at this job. I will leave this job first. You're not going to force me to do anything. And I guarantee if I had to, and let's just say if he, you know, so-called fired me or whatever, and I had to, I could literally probably sue that company based on what he was trying to do. And guess what? Probably, I think it was like six months later or eight months later, he got fired. And you know why he got fired? Because he was stealing money from the company and from customers. So all of his dirt that he was doing, that he thought he was getting away with, it finally got came to light. Yeah. And then he got booted. He got the boot. So I wasn't there any longer, but this is what I was told by someone who was still working there. Yeah. And so I was like, isn't that interesting? The thing that... I hope that people would get out of what I'm saying is that whenever it comes to integrity, your integrity will preserve you in some kind of way. And in the end, your integrity wins. Yeah. So it's like I felt vindicated by the fact that he was fired because I knew he was dirty. I knew that he was doing some kind of dirt. I just didn't know what it was because I couldn't prove it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't the one that was sitting there looking at him when he looked over deals. And what I found out is that what he would do, and this is one of the things that, this is, I think, what got him caught was that he was given money by a customer. And somehow in his mind, he thought he could steal it and put it in his own pocket and make the company think something different. And then be able to still do the deal with that customer and then it was just whatever I don't know yeah but he was that deceived in his mind to think that so that just goes to show you what happens when a person is not being checked by anybody and when they think that they're just gonna do whatever they want to do yeah so if I had been like all the rest of those guys in there I would have shut my mouth I would have gone along with the program. I would have just been a little scared mouse, so to speak, <laughs> in the corner. Like, yes, I'm going to do it because you said to do it. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, anyway, getting back to, you know, the whole thing about integrity and accountability. All of us need to have accountability with somebody. Now, back in the day... For me, and I think for a lot of people, let's say, 
I'm going to say at least 25, 30 years ago and then beyond, many people felt that when it came to what they were doing in life and so forth, they had to check with their pastor, okay? And that partially might work if it's a small church. So it might work for that kind of an environment. But when you're talking about a church that's what we call mega or let's just say they had at least a thousand people. If you got a thousand people, then you pretty much are going to have a lot of people that can just slip through the cracks because they're going to be able to do whatever and think that they are good on whatever they're doing because they're not coming to you as a pastor. However, if those people had the feeling in their heart that they need to find somebody, not their pastor, but somebody who has enough wisdom, who is spiritual enough, who's been, um, you know, who's been in the faith long enough, those kind of things, who've been in relationship with Jesus long enough, rather, um, that they can go to them and get sound, sound advice or whatever, or they could get somebody that says, no, don't do it, blah, blah, blah. Um, at least one person, see, if you yeah. have at least one person like that, then at least that's going to help to keep you from making dumb mistakes, certain mistakes that a lot of people make. Um, yeah. But I have noticed, and I'll let you say something. No, go, 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 go. But I've noticed that certain people that I know who don't do that, their life is in shambles. They make all kinds of mistakes. I know people right now who have made so many mistakes because they don't listen to nobody telling them you shouldn't do this or you should do that or whatever. They just got it in their mind what they're going to do. And I keep looking at them like, and how's that working out for you? Uh, I, I don't see where you're making any progress, but you seem to think you know what to do. What kind of sense does that make? So those kind of people, it's like you don't want to give your pearl to swine in that situation. Go ahead and keep doing what you're doing. And eventually when you die and you accomplish nothing in your life, then maybe it'll make sense at that point. So anyway, what were you going to say, man? <laughs> Man, no, no, I was just thinking because it's like, so I'm thinking of it personally and then on kind of like a church scale because you were mentioning pastors. I think that, and you know me, I'm always bucking against uh, American culture, especially when it seeped into the church. But um, I think our whole idea of the celebrity pastor is, um, you know, it's, it's wrong for a lot of reasons. But I think one reason kind of talking about this whole thing with integrity and accountability is that... Whenever a singular individual in the body of Christ is elevated to a point where they're no longer accountable to the people they're ministering to, then you have a, a, a severe problem. You know, because the the body of Christ is meant to be a self-correcting uh, life form, to, you know, for lack of a better term. But the body is, a, you know, it's an organic um, system. It's a, you know, this member is for this, this member is for that. But I think what happens a lot of time, and this is why, um, I think um, this, this is one of the reasons why a lot of leaders or pastors fall, is because they were never at a point where it was them 
and the congregation. It was always them over the congregation. And I think when you get to that point, you're, you've already blocked out the majority of how the Holy Spirit, because here's the thing. We'll, here's what's powerful. We'll say that um, the Holy Spirit always going to convict this person. There's a Holy Spirit is going to do this. Holy Spirit is going to tell me that. Well, the whole Jesus' whole idea of when he talked about the Holy Spirit and how he would come, he said, um, if anyone believes in me, me and my father will come and make our abode with him or in him. So the whole idea before he even gets to the part where Holy Spirit is going to convict sin, righteousness, and judgment, the whole point is that we're going to make you a tabernacle. We're going to make every individual in the body of Christ a tabernacle. We're going to make you a house. We're going to make you a temple. We're going to make you the dwelling place of God in the spirit, like Paul would say it. So the moment I've isolated my level of status or whatever as a leader from the rest of you could put it this way, the rest of the Holy Spirit, I've already denied the supremacy of God and the supremacy of the Holy Spirit as the leading force or the guiding force or the teaching force in my life. So it's like, you know, because I, I, I think of stuff as like, I'm I'm not as a leader, and this is just my, my perspective on this, I don't think as a pastor or as a leader, you should ever get to a point where you're making decisions for the congregation. You should always be making decisions with the congregation. You're going to avoid a lot of unnecessary headaches, a lot of unnecessary buckback, and a lot of unnecessary confusion. Because it's one thing in the book of Acts. It was so powerful. I think I've shared this story before, but it says that, you know, they were having some dispute. And they took it up to the uh, apostles and elders. And the apostles and elders laid it before the entire congregation. And when the decision was made... Um, by the leaders, it said that the word pleased the entire multitude. So it wasn't just some, um, this is what's going to happen and y'all going to follow along. It was a word because it was, I believe, a word of wisdom. You know, it, it resonated in the Holy Spirit that was flowing through every single one of them. And it wasn't any like buckback or dispute in that congregation, you know, that we hear about concerning that issue. And I think that's a thing is that. As a leader, like part of that accountability is saying, wait a minute, the wisdom of God is literally at work, you know, within the body. I mean, that's, that mean, that, don't, that don't mean, you know, you listen to everything everybody says, because yes, some people just yes. be crazy. <laughs> or, I was about to you say know, about or, that, but I, I, Or silly, that. you know what I'm saying? But once, if you take the moment to realize, like, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit is literally working through this entire this entire system called the body, this entire thing, mm -hmm. you'll actually realize that the answers and the solutions and the, uh, the, 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 the problem solving that you were looking for was already among you. It was already in the, in the concrete, you know? And so I just think that's a, you know, that's on, that's a congregational level. Then thinking of it more of like on a, a personal level, I'm kind of looking at it from the uh, perspective of a musician. Like one thing I've learned is that like, and when it comes to like any business endeavor, like whether you in music or whether you in fashion or whatever your business is or your field, mm -hmm. your career, your whatever is, is that the the best way to your success, kind of like you were saying, is to have people around you who are constantly giving you helpful feedback and what you're doing. You know, not just like people just constantly criticized like in a bad way yeah. but like saying hey you know 
what can be improved about this? What's lacking here? You know, what's the pros? What's the cons? Because that's one thing I'm learning about music. Like, the more I put stuff out to people, like, hey, you know, what's lacking? What in fact, I just, I just, I, I actually, I'm kind of proud of this. It's kind of a milestone for me. But, um, because I'm not like a producer type. Like, my, that's not my main ability. I don't never claim to be those. <laughs> you know, I can rap. I can songwrite. But when it comes to actual production quality, that's not me. And, but um, recently, I've been um, trying to learn more production, you know. And um, I'm working on this song. And I was mixing and playing around with it. And I um, put it out to the um, the peeps. And I was like, yo, you know, tell me tell me the truth. You know, what's, <laughs> what's good, what's bad. And um, they were nicey about it. But I was like, you know, don't be nice. Don't be nice. Really tell me what I need to improve. And, but, you know, they gave some helpful feedback. And so I went back through the process, and it's been a grueling process. It's so frustrating. Like I'm like, why I can't get it to sound the way that I want it to sound? But finally, after like weeks and watching online tutorials and getting feedback, I got it to a place where I can actually listen to it and say, wow, this is, I can't say that this is bad quality. You know what I'm saying? It's at least decent, you know? So let me give you a little insight into that, because I yeah. actually started producing music back in like, 2002 and um, what I noticed is that in the beginning my ear was getting attuned to sounds when I was listening to them specifically through headphones because I would notice they sounded it sounded one way in my headphones but when I burned it to a CD and I played it in the car yeah. It sounded completely different in the car. And I was like, oh, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> right. I was like, no, that's not it. But over time, my ears started becoming really attuned to levels, even in the headphones. So I was like, okay, if it sounds like this in the headphones, this is when it's good. Now I can play it in the car and it'll sound the same. Right. So I learned that over time. It took me years to do that. But what I'm saying to you is that being that you just started, then it's going to be, it'll take some more time for you to really get right. your ears to that point where you'll say, oh, okay, yeah, this is what it should be. And some, and you'll get to a point where you'll know without it taking you, you know, a whole bunch of time to do it, you'll yeah. know pretty much right away. It'll just start coming to you and just, oh, yeah, I need to turn that down. I need to turn this up. You know, that kind of thing, man. So, yeah, you're doing good. I mean, if you got that done in a couple weeks, that's pretty good. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, if it's only one joint that you... I mean, you're talking about your first one. So, you know, when you're talking about the first thing that you're doing, it's always going to be, you know, the hardest. Yeah. And as you get more under your belt, it gets easier. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, you, you know, know interesting, it's interesting how you said that about the group. So, this is where you have to know who you can open up something to to give input. Because I don't know how many people there were in that congregation in the Bible when they were saying they put it before them. But when you're talking about people that were meeting in houses, it probably wasn't that many. I'm just saying. Now... With that being said, um, back then, when people got saved, it wasn't something they were playing around with. These people were really for real, and they really needed to hear from God to know what to do next. 
because they were getting killed over this thing. Yeah. So I think that when you think about it from that perspective, that makes a big difference as to who you can listen to or not. You know what I'm saying? Because when you go to the average church in America, you don't know who's just there because they like the fashion that people, you know, what they wear and all that, or they went there because of the honeys in there, or they went there because they heard they got rich people there, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you don't know why they're in the church. You have no clue why they're there. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's where, like, I'm going to say it like this. When I see people that are not really trying to get, like, engrafted into a body, I know something's wrong. Right. Something's up with them. Oh, you don't want to get nobody. You don't want nobody to get to know you. Oh, okay. I know what you got going on. Then you got something going on. You don't want nobody to know about. Okay. Yeah. So when you find that people don't let you into their personal life like that, there's something wrong there. Yeah. So anyway, I'm saying that to say that people will come into a church for various reasons. And those various reasons will determine, okay, what's going to, how they can or cannot be able to help the church to move forward and what it needs to do. Yeah. So, no, that's good. And, yeah. that's, and that's where you got to just know, okay, everybody definitely should not be involved in this decision because a lot of y'all, y'all don't even, y'all don't even have a strong relationship with the Lord, much less wisdom on how to run a church or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So you have to have a certain group of people that you can say, okay, just like I look at Jesus, he had 12. Not that he was going to them and talking about, hey guys, what do y'all think I should do now? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the master wasn't asking no questions like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, man, so overall... What the the lesson that we need to get from out of this situation, and you know, my prayer is that before Robbie Zacharias passed, I pray that he at least got it right with God. You know, in the sense of yeah. you know, his reputation on earth might not be the way that it needed to be or should have been or whatever, but if he got his heart right with God before he passed. That's all that matters in the end because his eternal place is more important than what some temporary earth situation is. Because um, even we could really say, like, I mean, I'm going to just use this as an example. I've always wondered about this one. And I don't know, maybe you, maybe you have a perspective on this that will help me see it differently. Okay, so David, we know... That the Bible says when he was in the bed old and looked like he was about to be dead or whatever, that they put a virgin in the bed to see if he was still alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... And I'm saying, man, I mean, you know, back then, and that's the thing, too, because back then... They had multiple wives, a lot of people. They had multiple wives. And, I mean, I honestly would like to understand how that was, like, how do you navigate with multiple wives? I don't know. 
I mean, I have ideas and thoughts about what that could mean, but I don't know because I never, I've never seen that in a society or whatever. So, however they did that, they did it. Now, what's interesting is we don't see every man doing that. We see certain men doing it. Mm-hmm. Like David had multiple wives. Okay. Um, but uh, Jacob had multiple wives. Um, Solomon. Solomon. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but my point is that it wasn't like some widespread thing where it was a bunch of wives that men would have. However, in a situation like with a David, let's say, it would be nothing for him to be like, okay, she's going to be my wife or whatever. So them putting this virgin in the bed with him could have just been a precursor to he's going to have another wife now. You know what mm. I'm saying? But they were just trying to test to see if he would do anything because they knew that if they put a virgin in there with him, then if he was alive, something would happen. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like they were like, this is the one way we'll know if he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. But um, having said that, though, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to say that, you know, when it comes to our society that we live in with, you know, when we're talking about our integrity in the area of sexuality or whatever, that, you know, there are certain things that we have to have as safeguards, you know, whether it be like, for instance, like, it's not wise for a male pastor to meet with females by himself in, a, in an environment where it is like he's counseling them and, you know, it's getting very, very... The, the conversation is being, being becoming intimate and or into details or whatever that are dealing with some kind of sexual thing or whatever. That's just not wise at all. First of all, because that woman definitely is vulnerable. Yeah. And second of all, because that man could then, you know become deceived in that moment to think that oh she's into him because she's opening up about all these things and then one thing leads to another and then you got a scandal on your hands right so the <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know when I think of stuff like that I'm like okay you know know what you can handle number one and know what is wise and what's not wise yeah so you know that's really interesting you just made me think about something it's i mean we know that there are a lot of spiritual and profound reasons why jesus chose 12 disciples why those 12 were all male but it just made me think alongside the same lines that i think it was also the wisdom of the father because you think about a man like Jesus, he's going to be single. Like, he's not there to marry. Yeah. And I think that's so, that was almost like, besides the other spiritual and great reasons why I was 12 and they were God and stuff like that, is that it almost served as like a safeguard for him. You know, which is pretty yeah. powerful when you think about it, man. He, he surrounded himself with that community of uh, 
you know, men of faith, men of God. So it, that's really good, man. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, man. I mean, the thing is, is that if you want to be protected, like I've seen situations where, let's say, a person was, uh, okay, like, okay, let me let me just say this first. The Word of God doesn't say that it's a sin to drink alcohol. It says that it's a sin to be drunk. Right. Now, getting drunk happens in different places for different people, depending on their height, depending on their weight, depending on their um, how long they've been used to drinking alcohol, stuff like that. All those are factors as to how quickly they will become drunk. The point is, is that if I drank the same amount as somebody else, but I, let's say, I'm 100 pounds, they are 500 pounds, a 500 pound person is going to take a lot longer to get drunk than a 100 pound person. Right. Because of the way that the alcohol goes through the body and how long it processes, it takes it to process and everything. So that's what's going to affect that. And also how much food a person consumes while they're drinking. That affects yeah. it. How much water they might be drinking affects it too, I believe. So my point is this. Um, I've seen situations where there will be individuals who, you know, maybe they started speaking in a way where it was like, it started to sound like they talking a little crazy and they've been drinking. And then someone nearby says, yo, you had enough, man. That's, you, you don't need any more. But if that person didn't have that person to check them and say, you had enough, they probably would have kept on going until they really got drunk. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. what? Reason why, the reason why God doesn't want us drunk, there's many reasons. I think that the most obvious one that all of us should be able to attest to is that a drunk person does not make good decisions. Yeah. So... Obviously, God doesn't want you drunk because you're not going to make good decisions when you're drunk. Mm -hmm. Number two, wow. because getting drunk means eventually you're going to feel some kind of discomfort and pain and some suffering because that comes with a hangover. That comes with, you know, uh, throwing up or something like that. You know, those are things that you don't want, but that happens when you get drunk. Um and then, you know, the thing that probably most people don't think about or even care about because they don't think it really matters, it kills brain cells. You know what I'm saying? And your brain cells, according to what science has said, when your brain cell dies, it doesn't get replaced. It doesn't get, mm. you know, it's not like it's another one that forms or something like that. <clears throat> so my point is that um, those are some of the reasons Aside from the fact that the Bible says self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> yeah. So, I had a little bit of a debate with God about that one day. Mm -hmm. And my debate was, and I need all of you to listen carefully to how I'm going to say this. And I want nobody misunderstanding what I'm saying. My debate with the Lord was, if I am controlling myself, why do I need the Holy Spirit? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I'm like, I said, that doesn't make any sense to me. But then later on, the Lord revealed to me that as a son, 
one of the markers of a son is that you have mastery of yourself. And when you're at that point, that's when you're walking like God. Because God has control of everything that he's doing. Mm. He is not wondering how it's going to turn out. He knows how it's going to turn out. Yeah. He knows how the laws work. He knows how to work with the laws, all those things. And so the bottom line is we're trying to become like Jesus. Yeah. Jesus was God in the flesh. Therefore, we are trying to become like God. Yeah. Why are we trying to become like God? Because he is our father and we are created in his image and likeness. Unlike Satan, who was not created in his image and likeness, thus could not become like God. So, this is where um, I'm going to get into a little bit of something that I'm going to touch on. I want us to touch on in another podcast. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to drop a couple of scriptures on you. I'm just going to give you chapters. I'm not going to say everything is in them because I want people to search this out for themselves. But... There's a couple scriptures to keep in mind. Psalms 82 is going to be your number one in this situation. Number two is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27. Number three is Psalms chapter 8, verse 5 through 8. I want to tell you in advance that where it says angels is really God. It's Elohim. It's not angels in the, in the Hebrew language. You'll know when you get there. If you know, if you have a Strong's Concordance and you look up the word angels, it is Elohim. That's God, not angels. Um, then you want to go to John, I believe it's chapter 10, verse 33 through 38. That's where Jesus is telling them, why are you mad? Because I said I am son of God. Is it, you say that I'm um, equal to God, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, your word does not your law say, and I'm not going to say it right now, I'm going to let you look it up so you will figure it out for yourself. But herein lies one of the biggest truths that has been kept from the church. I'm sorry to say, but I've only heard maybe two or three men of God ever touch this. And I've been knowing this since 1995. And I've never heard more than three men talk about this. And it is the most, um, I'm going to say it's the most misunderstood. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say misunderstood. I think that people stay away from it because they are afraid of being called a heretic, for one. Oh, and for two, because it's too hard for them to believe that this is what it's really saying. And I'm like, the scripture is very clear what it's saying. It's about you believing it mm -hmm. and you accepting it in your mind. And one of the things Miles Monroe said is that you can sit up in a church for years, listen to the word. But if your mind is not being changed, you are not being changed. It doesn't matter how long how long you've been sitting in the church. Yeah. If your mind is not changing, you are not changing. So, in other words, there's a lot of people who, they've been going to church, but they haven't been learning. Like, okay, I'm going to say that 
many of you probably have heard, we are sons of God. But do you really understand the depth of what that means? Let me say it this way. If I'm a dog and I have puppies, those puppies are just as much a dog as I am, right? Yeah. They just aren't mature yet. They're depending on me until they get to the point of the maturity. So, with that being said, they were always a dog whether they were a mature dog or not. They were always a dog. Now, what on this planet was ever made by something that is not? That is the question. Yeah. I think you know where I'm going with this, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, we... So, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. But um, overall, uh, what I'm trying to bring out to everyone who's listening to this is that we all need to grow to a place of maturity, and that maturity will also come with character and integrity. Because if you're maturing in Christ, and you're becoming more and more like Him, your character is being molded and made through situations that you face. One thing that a lot of Christians fail to believe is that they should be having a hard time. And I'm here <laughs> to tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> now, the Bible says, through much tribulation do we enter into the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a, another nugget. That word tribulation is the same word that was used to say narrow in the King James Version when it says, mm. narrow is the way, mm. straight is the path that leads to eternal life. That word narrow is the same Greek word that is translated tribulation in other places, mm. including the book of Revelation where John says, I, John, your brother in the tribulation. Mm-hmm. That word tribulation is narrow in, in that part where Jesus said, narrow is the way. In other words, tribulation is the way into the kingdom, into eternal life. You have to go through tribulation. Yeah. Paul said, through much tribulation, you enter into the kingdom of God. Yeah, come on. So, mm, mm, mm. you will have to go through hardships. You will go through problems and trouble. Why? Because that's what's forming you and making you. And it also shows you what's in you. Yeah. Because when you go through a situation that's bad and you are able to come through it with your integrity intact, that shows that you've grown. Yeah. And that's when you pass the test. Because everything is about passing the test to get to that next level. Yeah. That's what everything we go through is all about. You will not know the character of a person until they go through problems. When they go through a problem, they go through a situation that's horrible. That's when you know how much they've grown. That's when you know if they're a real believer. That's when you'll know are uh, they truly serving Jesus. Because whatever they do as a result of that problem will tell you what's in their heart. Right. Wow. That's so, good. So that's what we need to all <laughs> leave this conversation with no in no way no shape form or fashion was this about um, putting Robbie Zacharias down so I hope that nobody thought that for one for once at, at, at one time at any time in this conversation I am saddened so is Justin 
<clears throat> that we even have to talk about that. Yeah. I actually, months ago when he passed away, to me I felt like it was a big loss of the body of Christ. And I, in, in that moment before I heard this news, I was like, man, and he went through his whole ministry, no blemishes, la da 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 whatever. And then this comes up, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. So, one thing I will say, it does not negate what he did. It doesn't negate his impact on the world or through the kingdom of God. Yeah. But what it does say is, it should be a wake-up call to all of us. Yeah. It was a wake-up call for me. I hope there was a wake-up call for you. Everybody should want to make sure that their life is lived in such a way that even when they pass, it's still not going to be anything coming out later. Oh, well, they did this, though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the way it, That's the way we should all be living, striving to live. You know, um, Yeah. I will share one more testimony that, um, that I think is relevant to this, that, you know, I have been involved in several types of ministries throughout my time um, in, you know, living or whatever, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, there came a point in time where I went through a very hard situation where someone tried to destroy my reputation. They tried to make people think a different way about me. And throughout that situation, and it went on for years. But the one thing that stayed consistent is that people who knew me, who knew what I was about, they would not believe in what was being said. And the thing is, I might not have been known on TV or anything like that, but there was there was enough people who knew where I was and what I was about that when that kind of stuff was being said or whatever, they just didn't even they paid it no attention they were like whatever we know that's not true we know about we know how Norman is we know what he's done what he hasn't done we know this is not true and here it is years later it's still the the reputation that God allowed me to have is still intact it's gotten better it's just grown from there so but it, it was like I had to go through that hard situation like I was saying before, people got to go through hard stuff, but it also is testing to see what your character really is. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I could have done had I not had the character of Christ. A lot of things. But because of the character of Christ that I had, it wouldn't allow me to do those things. Yeah. It didn't matter. So, and and the thing is, and I'm going to let you say what you're going to say. I just want to say the last thing. The thing is, is that what you all got to realize that all of you who are listening, we're all at different stages of growth, okay? You might be a one-year-old in Christ, as I am a 40-year-old in Christ, whatever. But the point is, is that in each stage, there's development going on in our character at some level. It's a different thing in different stages. God knows what he can touch at a certain point in our life and what he shouldn't touch. There's other things he'll deal with later. There's other things he might deal with sooner. It just depends on who we are, where we are, and all that. God knows it better than anybody. So he knows 
what to allow in our lives to bring certain things to light or to not bring certain things to light. So the point is, is that, yes, all of us are dealing with some kind of stuff that we wish we weren't dealing with. However, God, he knows that, he knows, number one, our true intentions. He knows our true heart. He knows our true desire for him to be like him, to be a great representative of him. So, with that being said, there are things that we might find that he'll deal with at a certain point, and he won't touch other things that are going on in our lives that, that would not and do not give him glory. However, he knows that in our heart of hearts, we desire to do what's right, we desire to serve him, we desire to be representatives of him in the best way. So... But he also knows those who are not like that. And those are people that he will eventually expose. And um, and when I say that, again, this is not, my statement now was not about Ravi at all. I'm saying that about other people who, in their so-called ministry, they got exposed for their womanizing or whatever they were doing. And now it's like, boom, they, their ministry is shot. So that's that. What were, we, what were you gonna say, Justin? I mean, it was it was kind of along the lines of what you're saying, like to those who who may like be going through something, whether in a position of leadership or whether in a position of you know prominence. However, that looks is that let your defining let your de like the what you're struggling with like you know what I'm saying like what you're struggling with and what you're going through right now doesn't have to be your defining moment you know what can be what's so powerful i believe about the 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 life of uh, you know even talking about the life of david you know he did a lot of stuff he was Boy, he was he had some problems. But you know, God says something so powerful. He said he was a man after my own heart. You know, and, and like Norm was saying, like God knows that you're after his own heart. But I would I would encourage you, let your defining moment be your willingness to just be honest. To just be humble, to just to come clean, to just say, you know what? This is what I'm going through, this is what I'm struggling with. And this is not where I want to be, but um, I have to come clean. And I believe, honestly, I believe that alone in and of itself would do a lot in the body of Christ to really exalt the name of Jesus. Because you don't want to stay in that place where you're just being put on a pedestal and where you know, like, you're just, you may be afraid to confess something. You may be scared what it's going to do, what the repercussions are going to be, what relationships it might destroy. What it might do to your financial situation, but this is a this is a moment where I believe you know God spoke to David. He said, you know, I can even put you at my mercy, at the mercy of man. You know, I can come judge you, or I can have a arm, foreign army come and judge you. And, and, and David said, you know, God, I'd rather let you judge me because with you there's mercy, but even the the mercy of man is cruel. You know, and so like we just encourage you, like if that's you right now, you know, really just. I would just encourage you, come clean. 
you know, and 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 that 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 doesn't find like Norman said, like God believes so much in in who He's placed within you, that Christ in you. He's He believes so much in the potential of His Son inside of you that He isn't going to allow this struggle, this moment, to be your defining moment. It's not going to be your oh, this is all you are. It's going to be. It can be if you allow it. It will be the very thing that catapults you into true freedom, into true integrity, and for. And for everything you're doing for God to go to a, 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 a way higher level than it would have ever been able to go to. Because, you know, James says it like this. You know, confess your faults for, to one another and pray for one another. Because there's a healing that's going to come. And there's such a blessing that that's going to flow in you and flow through you. So if that's you, we just encourage you to trust in God and fall at his mercy right now. And be willing to just confess those things with people who can hold you accountable and that are really about your your well-being and your growth uh, in the Lord. So, yeah. so that actually um, brings me to one more statement that I would like to make or one more point that I would like to bring out. And that is that um, when the Bible says confess your faults one to another, first of all, it's not saying go around telling everybody your faults. <laughs> That's not what it means. You have to have somebody that you can talk to about whatever, like that you can say, yo, I'm dealing with this, blah, 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 whatever. And then they're not going to look at you funny, but they're also not going to allow you to think that it's okay and that you don't need to do anything. You know what I'm saying? They're going to at least hold you accountable for that. They'll say, listen, you know it's not right, so get it together. I'm going to be praying for you. Let's stay in touch. You need to be reaching out to me. We need to talk about this frequently or whatever. We need to be talking about it once a week or whatever. Whenever you feel the need to do this, you need to call me or something of that nature. But the point is that having somebody that you can go to about whatever it is that you're dealing with because there is one person at least that you can talk to about these things without it being exposed to everybody else and all this kind of stuff. So that's something that we all need. And like, like I said earlier, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. That's the love of God and the love of a person too. <clears throat> so thank you for listening to the podcast. We're going to close out in prayer real quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that uh, you would touch the hearts of every person that's listening to this today. Let them know that their lives are not a waste or not a wash because they have sinned. But Father God, yes, Father. out of their integrity, we pray that you would just deal with their heart, deal with their mindset, give them someone that they can speak to about what they struggle with to help them to come out of it and to be healed from that. Father God, that confession should not be a confession to someone that is a gossiper, that should not be a confession to someone who has no wisdom. That should not be a, con a, a confession to someone who doesn't have anything to offer them to help in that situation. But Father, let them find that type of person that they need that will be able to help them, to hold them up, to lift them up in prayer, to be able to encourage them, to um, cover them and to also give them uh, sound counsel and wisdom from the Word of God, from the Holy Spirit. 
And Lord God, we pray that each person that's listening, that has that desire in their heart, that they will find that in the name of Jesus. We are in agreement. Justin and I are in agreement. You said in your word where any two agree is touching anything, it will be done by our Father in heaven. So with the two of us and that other person, we got three. And the word of God says a threefold cord is not easily broken. Thank you, Father. Now, we thank you in the name of Jesus for doing these things, Lord God, that you are touching lives, that you are healing hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the New Numa Godcast once again. This is your host, Norm. Follow me at Norm the Professor on IG and also follow Justin at Just As Written on IG. I'm in agreement for power and breakthrough in your life. Keep tuning in every week for that real talk, new life.